get that stream preheated. Yes, it's like preheating your oven. That's right. Set the stream to 355 degrees, please. Who cooks anything at 355? <laughs> Those extra five degrees, man. It's <laughs> important. Well, I'm I, telling you, I, if you've not cooked at 355 degrees, you need to start. Like, okay, it will be okay. life changing. I, I actually, let me take that back. When <laughs> I was in middle school or in high school, I got into doing a lot of uh, like baking and different things like that. And our our oven was actually off because I, mm-hmm. I bought a an internal thermometer and it was off by about five degrees. So now I actually remember baking things at 355, 430. Yeah. Yeah. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah. As you should. So, <laughs> like I was about, about ready to throw down on that. Yeah. Al, al, uh, uh, temperature is dependent on altitude and <laughs> you have to put, do all those little disclaimers. Yes. You, your your mileage may vary. It It could be 353. We don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I do three fifty three. That's just that's just crossing the line right there. Yeah, well, I, I show me an oven that can actually do single digit. And For the, the way... longest time I had an oven that was set with a dial. So I mean, yeah, I can well, that, find your the, picture. Well, and the thing about it, oh, we, I, my, my grandfather had one for a long time. And the thing about the way the ovens heat and stuff like that, like it's it's just this, it's a cycle. So they're going way over temperature and then they're cooling off, and yeah. so you just have this proverbial wave. It's it's arbitrary. Oh yeah, that's how my central air works as well. Yes, and I had to <laughs> yeah. make a specific. I had to make a special homemade thermostat just because I got tired of that wave being way too short. So it was short cycling my my furnace system. So mm. I built with a Raspberry Pi and an ESP thirty two my own thermostat, and I have an adjustable gap that I can build. Now that's nice. that's getting nerdy with it. Oh yes, I get nerdy with a lot of it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had to go, I haven't had to go quite that far. But oh, I'm I never almost, had to go that well, far. But. I'm, at, I'm, I am at the <laughs> point where I am about to automate the, uh, the register vents. Yes, in my I house. did some of that too at one point. Like not all of them, but just certain vents. Yeah, that's that's me, especially the ones in my basement. Because like right now. Well, it depends on the day of the week in St. Louis as to whether it's cold or hot. We had 70 plus degree temperatures earlier this weekend, but I've I've got GPU mining going down in the basement, so I don't need any heat coming to the basement whatsoever. And I'd rather push all that up, but it gets, there's times where I have to open and close ones upstairs. I'm like, I'd rather just be able to be like, redirect all the heat to the bedrooms. Yep. Yeah. I have it set up. So that way when I'm like out traveling or whatever. It only heats the rooms that actually need to be heated, no. whereas like the rooms with no plumbing don't really need to be heated. And then no. I've also got the bedroom set up, so if I'm on my way back from traveling, it can like dump all that heat straight to the bedroom and heat it all. That's up. that's yeah, that's kind of what I want. Yep. And then you put little ESP32 with thermostat unit, like with the with the thermometer units in those various rooms, and you can have like actual temperature controlled rooms. Individual yeah, yeah it's basically like what it would like the sensors for like the ecobee and stuff like that doing yes, the same except, thing except that instead of costing like 20 to 25 dollars a piece you can get it, it costs for like literally it's like two and a half bucks yeah i i have like <laughs> a, a a container of like probably 30 esp 32s and i forgot what the other ones are whatever the uh the, oh, the step up from that is yes yeah those yep yeah, For those I got of you him. just tuning in, you've wandered into <laughs> DIY HVAC systems with Noah and Tim. <laughs> it's 
a new spinoff webcast yeah. that we're doing. It's a new spinoff webcast that we're starting. But is your HVAC vulnerable to Log4j? Awesome. It might be, actually. <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like that meme. It's like, it's, you know, there's no Log4j on the toaster. <laughs> Hang on, let me check this right quick. <laughs> Hey, it's talking about news. This is the final broadcast of 2021. And we've got a small crew right now. We may have a couple other people popping in a little bit later. Maybe a drive-by. We, we don't know if that's going to work out, but we'll see. Uh, so today we've got me, of course. I'm the, Ryan the Shootist. And we've got Noah. Want to say hi, Noah? Hello. So now, they, now the audio people know your voice, so we can put voices to names. Because yeah. we always forget to do that part for the... We always forget about the audio people, but they are there. And then we got Tim. Hi. There we go. Thank you, Tim. You're and uh, they've got a couple of topics that they're really itching to talk, talk about. And I'm going to let them talk because they do a better job than I do. But Noah, I'm going to throw it to you because you got a real good one. that you, it, oh. You've been sitting on this one for like a week and a half. And you're ready it, to go. I mean, arguably longer. Arguably longer, but... Yeah, so I, I had one that I picked out a little bit that I was like, I, I just we got to talk about this, guys, just because I find it interesting. Anyhow, for those of you who don't know, Apple has released. Yeah, Ryan scrolls to the bottom for it because it's been that long. Yeah, um, yeah Apple find, has released an Android app that now helps you track. Well, it doesn't do the tracking part of AirTags. But what it does, if you're being, if your car is tagged or something like that, like it'll tell you, like, hey, by the way, there's an air tag that's been following you around for a while. And I mean, like that, that that's that's good because it's become a problem. But the thing about this is, I would almost argue that Apple created this problem simply so that they could create this app. Because when it comes to this kind of a product, it's all about the network. Uh, we were talking about Tile the other day, and we were like, we just like, well, I thought this was Apple's version of Tile. Well. It kind of is. The thing that makes it so much like worse, though, is that they've literally... With Tile, you had to download an app, as I've said in the past. Download the app, you're now part of their network. Apple didn't let you download an app. There's no way to opt out of their network that I'm aware of, anyhow. If you have an iPhone, you're in that network. So now, all of those devices were in there. Well, it, it gets worse now, because now people are worried that people are tracking them with these AirTags and... uh so they're going to go download the app on the Google side of things. So that way they can make sure they're not being tracked. But at the same point, you know that these apps are still sending data in to Apple, basically increasing the length of their network. So it's it's like they created the problem and created the solution. It reeks, uh, as we said, like it reeks of that's not a problem. This is a feature. I, I, I'm just very hent about that, I guess. Um, <laughs> you have some thoughts. I have thoughts. I, I, I do not appreciate this Apple. What yeah, do you think, I, Tim? So I, I've got to admit, um, I haven't been so much up to date on the whole AirTag situation. It was one of those things when it first came out. I was like, oh, this is just Apple's version of Tile and just kind of wrote it off and didn't really pay it any attention. Um, but this this past weekend, um, surfing Twitter and things, I actually found um, a couple of stories, uh, primarily dealing with uh, females 
that had been um, essentially tagged with these air tags and uh, tracked and stuff like that. And I started looking into just like how terrifying this ability that, that Apple has created and the ability to, you know, the fact is, as Noah said, like you don't get to opt out of this network. And, and if you're not familiar with the kind of how air tags work, is they essentially piggyback off of the network of any existing Apple device. And so um, if I had a tag like walking through a mall or something like that, even if I don't have an iPhone, it will communicate to any iPhone or iPad or probably iWatch or anything else like that, that that it can, in the proximity, it, it will then, that device will ping out and say, Apple, here's where I'm at. And so you can get this real-time tracking of this uh, seemingly offline device. And the, the security implications from that, from a privacy perspective, as far as like your, your physical location stuff, the stuff that I was seeing on Twitter where, where uh, females had talked about instances where their, their purses have been tagged or their vehicles been tagged and stuff. It's, it's, it's terrifying. And then you add to, to Noah's point this, oh, well, we're just going to release an Android app that will notify you in the similar manner that uh, an iPhone will let you know that there's a, a, a tag that's for the traveling with you or it's in your proximity for, for an extended period of time. It really just, to me, it just extends that network, as Noah said, and it, I'm, I'm not okay well, with it. I mean, in theory, if, if you were an, a conscientious Android user and someone were to try to tag you and you were to drive out into the middle of nowhere, that tag would not be able to make a signal as long as nobody with an iPhone was around. Now, if you have the app on there, you can literally be using your own Android phone to track you. I mean, it was bad enough when you, it could be your own iPhone tracking you, but now it's your off-network device could also be tracking you as well. Um, yeah. And relaying through your LTE connection to tell to tell the location of people trying to do that. And then on top of that, there's all this you know alert being that's going to come with you. I mean, these these tags are becoming more and more popular to the point where it's going to be traveling anyhow. And you get the alert like, oh, there's an air tag following you. You're like it's probably the one I put in my car to track my car, you know. And they won't even think twice about it. Yeah, I, I just see it being com- completely. I mean, frankly, to me, it's irresponsible, and and I don't I don't say that lightly. But like having as putting on the 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 hackers, you know, kind of security hat, having built sensor networks in the past for we'll call it traffic flow analysis, but we'll just be blunt. It was for uh, basically tracking devices through a, a given environment and stuff using wireless and, and Bluetooth and stuff. It's like this is really cool. Like it's like the ability to actually have something offline. Um, be able to piggyback on those connections and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, that's really, really cool. Until I'm like, you know, as I was talking right before the show, based off of, you know, reading all this stuff and all, I literally left my house today when my wife got back from something and I had this thought, I was like, man, what if her vehicle got tagged? Like, I was just like, it's such an invasion of privacy that I just, I don't know what, I don't know what the answer, because I don't feel like Apple's going to come back from this, especially since they're, in my opinion, doubling down with the Android app, essentially getting to, uh, double their their data sources and stuff. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you have an iOS. We're still going to be able to get this data. Um, that's rough. Yeah, but it helps me find stuff. Like, you know, if I lose, well, something, it's it. Yeah, it's the convenience. This. It's the convenience for security. <laughs> you know, if if we're if we're getting convenience, we're always going to be giving something up. You know, it's if you have to, if it's two a.m. and you need to go to to the gas station to buy a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, you can do it, but it's going to cost you four or five dollars for a single roll. Um, same thing in security. If we're, you know, the con- this convenience that we're developing, especially with this always connected lifestyle that we have, where, where any bit of information, any bit of data is just, 
you know, a point and click away. Right. Um, so there's, there's I, massive ramifications for that. Yeah. I have a, well, a varying opinion on this. So I think it's both good and bad at the same time, because what we've done is we've made it harder to hide in all scenarios, whether you're doing something good or doing something bad. Right. And that's what the air tag brings to the table. Right. So it's like, it's can be used for a force for good and for a force for bad. Right. You can use it to track people that shouldn't be tracked. You can also put it on devices and recover stolen items for people who are, you know, now it's harder to steal things. Um, you know, putting it uh, on your kid. Now it's harder to steal kids, right? Like, I mean, there's a bunch of kind of like, you know, scenarios. So I guess it, uh, my, my only point is really is that it's not all good and it's not all bad, right? I, I, I right. completely agree. It's like, you know, I mean, you, you can look at like some of some money. Money's good. Sure. Most people like it. It can also, it can be used to buy drugs. It can be used to pay for Hitman. It also can be used to pay for my child's medical bills. Well, now you're, now you're just, talking about crypto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> the argument for crypto is good or you know, bad there. So. It, and and it's, it's every, you know, you have to look at the intentions and stuff like that. I, I, my, my bigger concern is just what kind of avenue is this opening up? You know, is this, is this going to be a Pandora's box kind of thing where the next generation is going to just be that much more invasive? While I don't agree that it it has its benefits, um, I personally haven't ever used it and ha- haven't had a need to. I just accept that I've lost my stuff and move on. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's not an option for everybody. Um, yeah, you know, so it, it, I, well, what I was going to say is that this isn't um, really a new tech. This is just Apple finally coming around, and you know, the big thing obviously is that every Apple device is contri- or, or, uh, participating. But they had tiles, and they had like other brands that were also producing other kinds of similar devices. Um, you know, this, this is, is just, almost an inevitable thing. Yeah. yeah that, it, you know, know, they just finally came to jump in the pool. This is going to happen. So let's jump into it now and do what we can to mitigate the damage that we know can happen. Well, I'm sure you, when Apple's design teams get on into the room and they, they're going to decide to do this, they've already thought about the flip side of, of what bad could happen. So from what I understand is the the Android app thing was part of the roadmap for AirTags from the get beginning. They just you know, rolled it out piece by piece, and and now they've got that Android piece out there. Yeah, I could see in the future actually they're becoming a standard for doing like tags or location devices like this, like an cross- open source standard of yeah, sort, like yeah, like yeah. cross platform where like you know, and then you know the other piece. I think the bigger piece with this one. Um, and I think this is what we're really going back and forth about is the fact you can't turn it off, right? Like you yeah. can't opt out. That, that, that's the real like security thing, right? And and it's not necessarily just a security thing. It's more of just like a, a, a an invasion that we feel like I should have the choice to participate in with, right? Yeah, I, I, that, I think that's fundamentally the biggest issue that I have is the fact that if as a iPhone uh, user or an iPad user or whatever, I don't get to opt out of it. I kind of look at it like when I guess it was Xfinity years ago announced that they were going to start broadcasting hotspots on all the residential routers and gateways and stuff. So that like, as long as you're an Xfinity customer, you can pretty much use anybody's Wi-Fi from their home and then it's on a separate network and stuff like that. I wasn't a big fan of that. I, they eventually made it so you could opt out and stuff like that. But the, the ability to not opt out of this network, I think is probably the biggest issue that I have. But I also... I sit here and go, okay, if I opt out, what, if I could opt out, what would the actual benefit be? Because that means my device isn't going to be participating in this. But if my device isn't participating in this, could this potentially put me at, or my family at a a disadvantage 
from a security perspective, not knowing that, hey, there's a tag around you or something like that. You know, that's just one of those things that you kind of have to, we have to look at and go, what weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, like yep. I said, both good and bad, right? Yep. Um, you can't you can't opt out and then be, you know, like there's the malicious piece of it. Anyways, I don't know. It's just wild. I think the the really the other big reason we're talking about it, like the opt out is one, and then there's just everyone's got an iPhone. There's an iPhone everywhere. You're gonna walk there. That tag is gonna see an iPhone even in weird spots. You know, unless but, it's in. But like, the thing you know, is, is, now it's not even just an iPhone. Now it's also an Android phone with the release yeah, of the makes, Android. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I guess my point is they did this because people wanted to know if they were being tracked, right? That's why they made the Android app, right? I mean, right, you, but so the other part too, right? But this would be like the bigger, you know, the flip side. So the, the only know. thing, like the only other company that can really compete with Apple in this market is Google. Like they're the only other one with an entire cell phone network. Such a similar way. Like I, I, I don't know how things are going at Tile. I'm assuming if Tile is still around, that it's not going great. Like the only company that could compete is Google. If if Apple has now got its network connected over to Google, their Google's got to almost come back and say, "Okay, so we've made our version of this product, <laughs> and now we need to make a big inter- like a big incident in order to actually say, like, okay, you need to put it on your Apple Store as well, Apple. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, this brings up a whole other thing too, where um, uh, advertisers are tracking people via Bluetooth, right? Oh, yeah. Um, because Bluetooth's on all the time and you can use that as unique identifier. You know, this went to the same with Wi-Fi. That was the other way to track for a while, um, you know, because the Mac address and then, you know, Apple eventually, you know, turned down the broadcasting a ton. So that becomes a lot harder to track with an Apple device now for Wi-Fi. Um, you know, this is just actually at least this version of tracking. I can get something I care about back. they were just tracking me for fun right i mean for money so i don't know yeah i'm gonna take the that moment right here to introduce ralph may who just popped in right right in the middle of that discussion we were introducing ourselves for the audio side of the webcast so now you can hear ralph may's voice if you say hi ralph hi there you go (laughs) okay we've gotten that done so moving on yeah well, I didn't want to miss the uh, very last talking about the news for the year. So that's right, to... the final newscast, the final, of 2021. The final, final. yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. Final, what final revision four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you keep saying the revision. final newscast, and someone's going to miss the like of 2021. They're like, "What? It's done." <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. That's it. That's the joke. That's yeah, exactly. That's, that's the joke. You ruined it. Thanks, now everyone. Knows. I know. So, uh, <laughs> but as we come to the end of the year, if there's been an overwhelming avalanche of of stuff happening can we really just summarize any of it is it's there's almost i'm looking at our list here that you can kind of see in our thumbnail there's just too much to pick from in some in some ways but we have any i mean there's some basic scum summaries you could do uh patch your stuff collect your logs read those logs so that's i mean there you go mm. and and yes uh uh, Mubix there. That's exactly was my intention because you get the yep. inside joke. My why first... are you on the show? <laughs> he's probably doing his own thing. I know why he's not on the my, show. My first thought with looking at ransomware in 2021 is 2022 is going to be worse. Oh, yeah. Totally. It, I mean, this, we, I, we're, if you're, if you're looking at a bell curve, I, we're still climbing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you look at to the, every vulnerability that's out there, every potential exploit, like, 
one of the first things you see on the back end of it is, you know, ransomware or crypto miners or, you know, something like that. And it's just every every time we get a, you know, something like Log4j, which hopefully we don't get something that widespread for, for, for many more years, but it's going to, it's going to be tough every, every opportunity it's because ransomware is able to take advantage of everything we preach from password, you know, bad password management and uh, password reuse, lack of multi-factor authentication, not patching your stuff, like everything that we could preach day in and day out. That's what ransomware is taking advantage of it. And it's so opportunistic in most cases that it's just, I, I'm, I'm ready to buckle up for, for a rough 2022. Yeah. Well, and yeah. they have no more disincentivization for ransomware than they did when they started. So mm-hmm. like, now it, they've got a, another easy, shiny tool they can use to augment their, their attacks. I mean, those the come out it, they come out weekly, it feels like, right? Just some oh, of those yeah. bigger waves. I mean, how many waves did we have this year? Probably like, what, three I can think of that were like huge vulnerabilities that came out that affected everyone? Like, Oh, that, that does remind me of another takeaway. Like if you're running on-prem exchange, stop. Yeah, I, I yeah. second that one. Third, it's unanimous. Vulnerabilities that Ralph mentioned, like I think like six of them were on, on-prem exchange. <sighs> oh. Yeah. You know, and the worst part is, I know Microsoft's like, yeah, 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 listen to them. Get that Office 365. Come on, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're so excited. They're, every time there's a vulnerability for Exchange, I feel like Microsoft stock goes up a little, right? But It's got to, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, stop running Exchange on-prem. All right, anybody got a favorite store they want to pick out of this list here? Well, there's... I was just going to say, like, if, if anyone is uh, using Kronos payroll, I, I feel f- sorry for you. Hopefully you get your paycheck before Christmas. Oof, that's uh, a tough one. Yeah, that's that's not ideal. I'm not sure quite the status of this as of today, but I do know that was uh, hurting some of my old coworkers that I knew at a point um, as well. So feel for you guys. And for that, like Kronos got hit with ransomware. So their major payroll processor. There's a lot of people that don't get paid this Friday mm. necessarily. That's mm, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of sucks. Like I said, the, here's another one that just kind of popped up on my radar: the MicroTik vulnerability. It's a uh, there's a Ooh, um, I haven't seen that. Yeah, there's one, two. Wait, no, those are the old ones. What link are we talking about? Is um, it on the list here, or is this something yeah. you got? Yeah, yeah, it's, so it's, in, it's in Hacker News. So uh, 300,000 micro, uh, MicroTik uh, devices found vulnerable to remote hacking bugs. I thought this was a new vulnerability, but now that I'm looking at it, there's just people using it as botnets, which I think is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. It, for everyone who doesn't know, MicroTik's like a... Uh, I can't remember where they're from now. They're not US-based. I know that for a fact. I think... I want to say they're Czech-based almost. I was um, just about to say, I think they're Czech, uh, Czech, Czech Republic or... Yeah, so they, they make... Um, like prosumer enterprise enterprise style uh routers uh switches some other stuff like that the pricing point is is really good and um they're very powerful devices a lot of them include all the routing protocols all the other fun stuff right but yeah i mean no surprise a bunch of these online um getting exploited i have a couple of these devices that i've used for different projects and other things like that and uh again they're super super powerful but i do feel like their security model is uh you know you better configure it Let's put it that way, right? Well, and they do have a history of having significant vulnerabilities and things like that. They do. I will give them credit. They are they are pretty responsive on patches and things like that. But then again, 
a lot of these devices, it's all up to the end user to actually implement those patches and stuff. And a lot of times you're talking about the consumer, prosumers, home use and stuff like that. I, I don't really think I've ever seen MicroTik in the enterprise. Except oh, for I once have. Twice. You see it pretty commonly in some of these OT networks occasionally, uh, especially with yeah, vendors. Like vendors will put then there's a very common MicroTik device. that's basically a reverse VPN like modem router thing. So they'll put that into your OT network so that way they can call back in to provide support as needed. And it's pretty much just written into the warranty that you either have that device in there or you don't get you don't get support. <laughs> that's um, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. No, I I've seen MicroTik sitting around in, in plenty of places you're like, oh okay. I, okay. I've mostly seen that in um the uh, hospitality industry in hotels. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Not not as access points, but uh, primarily switching infrastructure. That's weird. They're they're I, very powerful. They're very powerful router. Uh, I actually routers. I have a I actually do have a couple of MicroTik de- devices. Uh, personally, um, they're little desktop uh, four ten gig port. I can't remember the model numbers and stuff. It's like one hundred and forty bucks, but yeah, uh, super super, pow- super super yeah. powerful. Be able to run ten gig. Uh, either Ethernet or fiber point to point is is freaking awesome for especially at that price. But like I said, historically they they have had a fairly long list of vulnerabilities. They are well known to be included in botnets and stuff. But I will give them credit; they are typically fairly responsive in terms of getting patches out and stuff. But those patches sure. are ultimately pushed down to the end user's responsibility to apply them which is why we see MicroTik devices and botnets quite frequently because they're just not being patched. Well, yeah, and it, it, from what I've seen of MicroTik devices, it's more of a, there's a dialogue window where it's like download the patch file and then upload it to your device. It doesn't, I haven't seen many of them that are like, oh yeah, click here to check for updates. Oh, I found updates. Can I install those? Yes or no? Yeah, it, it is. Built, it's built in now. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely built in now. But what what I was going to bring up is that like any of the um, either prosumer or enterprise products that end up being better at security, right? Like overall is ones that have an automatic you know patch management system like built into their design, right? Not just like something that I manually have to go visit on every device. Something I can manage devices at scale, um, either right. updating hundreds of devices, you know, being able to manage devices all in one place. Um, so that you can bring them into that, that you usually see a lot less of um, what I like to call like lonely islands, right? Where yep. some device gets stuck out there forever and it doesn't get any updates, but it's still doing its job and nobody ever says anything, you know, that kind of thing, right? So, I mean, if you're looking from a security standpoint, I, I feel like that's definitely uh, something that you should be looking for not from a manage, manageability that actually in turn increases your security because now you can get a better view of what's all out there. So, yeah. What else we got? WordPress sites getting hacked. Is that really news, though? I know it's not. (laughs) So the actual the actual news in that is, uh, I don't know the exact number. I'm I'm just gonna think it was somewhere like 1.3 million or something like that. Um, It's 1.1.3 million WordPress sites are being hacked again. Yeah, there was like a there was a plugin issue, if I recall, with that one. It's funny too. WordPress gets such a bad rap, but it's just a big attack surface. So like, it's just gonna, oh yeah. It's I, well, and if you use yeah. custom plugins and everything else, then it gets bigger and bigger. And yeah, well, that, and that's not that's really the issue on WordPress. It's yeah, like I'd love to actually sit down and do the the research of looking at the vulnerabilities. How much of it is WordPress core versus the ridiculous library of plugins that are available 
whether it's templates or, you know, all the, you know, modules and different stuff like that. Like that's where most, I would say the majority of the vulnerabilities lie because now not only do you have to update your, you know, WordPress core, you need to update, you know, all these individual modules and stuff like that. Um, And it's funny, dude, WordPress has come so far too from like where it originally started. Now it has these auto updates and all this other fun stuff. But um, yeah, the big things do, they come down to the plugins um, you know, which is one of its biggest features. And uh, interestingly enough, too, whenever you do build a WordPress site, you realize that it is not free because all of the features integrated into this monster PHP application end up costing money. So, yep. And your Although, themes aren't yeah, really free and all that yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sky's the limit, right? So, and everything has a cost. Yeah. And I mean, everything kind of should, right? Like, not to, not to, yeah. I mean, it's just that like people are developing it you want support all this other fun stuff right nobody works for free or they probably shouldn't so do you guys see this uh firefox windows credit or cloud clipboard feature so i guess uh windows has got a cloud clipboard for anyone who doesn't know it's actually disabled by default um thank goodness yeah thank god right and so what this (laughs) does is like you can copy stuff and then like you know on another system that's logged into your microsoft account right it'll have the keyboard right uh apple actually has the same thing too but i guess uh this feature was uh leaking uh passwords from uh firefox which is kind of interesting um yeah so username and passwords copied from the browser selection or mozilla fixed it but that they were getting usernames and passwords copied from the browser were getting put into the windows uh cloud clipboard feature instead of just being locally so on a separate clipboard so okay legitimate question why would i need my clipboard to be synced across devices first don't ask questions second it's so convenient <laughs> i use it, that all the time issue. it's not an Con- issue it's a feature I, exactly. convenient like okay you say it's convenient to accomplish what <laughs> I mean, the the only the only use case I can actually kind of justify this, not in the cloud aspect of it, but is if you're running something like uh, I don't even know what it's called today, uh, Seamless. It used to be Synergy, where it's like the IP based K K M software keyboard right. mouse, so yeah. you can run okay sharing across a uh, keyboard across a local clipboard across the local network, perfect. Right. But when you bring the cloud into this, you completely <laughs> lost me, Microsoft. When nope. you bring the cloud, just, you bring. Just think of it like this: it. like so, so you're writing a paper, right? And you're not using Office 365 online. You're using like uh, Open Office or something like that. So you you just you want to go from your desktop to your laptop because you have to go to the coffee shop to meet your friends. So you copy it to your clipboard, so that way you can then go to the coffee shop and then paste it into your new document. That that's got to yeah. be it. No, that's but clipboards totally have that's the only one. one. So that's that's that's, that's got to be the use case. All right. No, so, what you do is you just copy it into a draft email, leave it in your email address <laughs> folder, open it up your email when you get to the coffee shop. That's how everybody else does it. <laughs> draft emails, internet. Yes, because um, you want that on your email server. Oh, yeah, that's on prem, by the way. <laughs> I have used this with uh, the iCloud or uh, Apple's implementation of the exact same product, right? Or you're just pretty much uh, copy and pasting. And it is convenient to a certain degree, right? Especially if you use something like all the randomly generated passwords but that i use but um the uh, the other one is just um uh, yeah i don't know like there's been a couple use cases where i'm like oh this is pretty cool oh here's one all right this and this one doesn't this is, does not apply to microsoft so 
but on Apple, I use it a lot for the phone because if I have something really long, I don't want to type that in on my phone. <laughs> and so it's kind there of you like, go. you know, how do you do that? And so with that, you can actually just on your Mac, you can copy something and then on your phone, you just right click and paste, right? Magic. But uh, isn't uh, that, that's the handoff thing. Isn't that local? Does it actually go to the cloud? Uh, no, well, you have to enable it. I'm not sure if it does use the cloud. I know if Apple's probably got their hand in it though, they're, they're, um, they're probably doing a lot of on-device stuff like either Bluetooth or whatever, right? They don't really, I don't know. Yeah, they don't I thought it was like same. You gotta be, you have to be within a certain distance of the other device and it's kind of, it sent over local is it, is it just copying over Mirrorcast? <laughs> yes, yes. It's It sends it out in a broadcast message um, so everybody can read it. <laughs> well, I, yes. I, and and until I've experienced a a valid use case, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand my ground. Going, yeah. why? I I could maybe see it if it weren't for the fact that browsers have the ability to take and you can hit in like say you have Chrome on your iPhone or if you're using Android, it works even better. And then you have like Chrome on your Windows PC, right? And you're you're like reading an article on your phone and you want to push it to your Windows PC. You can do that. Like Chrome has that built in. I could if it if it didn't have that built in, maybe I could see a cloud keyboard, but. I, I don't. Uh, all right. This may be a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, debatable issue, but I think that the Windows keyboard should be in Alsace, right? All of it. So all of it should be in an encrypted store because I just assume everything in my clipboard is probably sensitive. Just thinking about everything that you copy or paste, right? I mean, a lot of times it's just long stuff that you don't want to type out right that's like the biggest use case but i'm sure sensitive stuff ends up in my clipboard all day long right oh that's i used to get, have a lot of fun with the uh the get clipboard commandlet from powershell mm-hmm. like i found basically a software that was just sitting there it was like an asset management software constantly running that and i'm like you cannot be using that for anything good like you can't tell me that that's got a valid reason to be doing that no, definitely. But thanks, Microsoft. They've given us yeah. a gift, and it'll be exploited somehow. It'll be like one of those like enterprise attacks where like everyone's or clipboard was being uploaded to SharePoint or something, and like just all everything. What else we got besides Log4j? There's like 14 Log4j articles in here. Yeah, we're just avoiding those. We don't <laughs> want to it's, talk it's, about that. It's re- it's really not a big thing. If you just ignore it, it'll go away. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah the more Sim- you simple, ignore just it, stop logging. And you're yeah. good. D- stop logging. Disconnect your toasters just in case. Mm. Yep. And be on your way. You know what? You just got to encrypt all your log data, right? Now that said, yeah. if you do have Log4j on your toaster and your toaster is connected to your Wi-Fi and you're running Rita in your home network, it will probably detect it if you get a beacon going. Just, just saying. Well, I mean, I, I can't imagine what your toaster is logging. Like how good how burnt your toast is i can, I okay. I can only imagine though too like the the beacons coming off of a toaster anyhow just like from the factory do you know how frustrating i would be if i found out my toaster was logging better than some of the commercial applications <laughs> I, I use <laughs> oh like just send companies here's a toaster it does this the job better <laughs> oh, God. oh that's actually pretty great I don't know. We don't need any more IoT stuff. Is gonna that's that's gonna be the real killer in the future. I say the future. The future is now. But just yeah, all those IoT devices coming online with like 
last month support of whatever that's it like it's done like it's connected to the internet but like again an update ever again right like this thing running is... linux kernel version 2 and <sighs> yeah the mips we can ping google we did it guys and that's it <laughs> like that's <laughs> the end of the effort for it yeah i mean and you know we were talking about 2022 and in the, the even the rise of ransomware and stuff like yeah, great when your toaster gets ransomware and your refrigerator and everything else. It's going to be a joy. It prints a it prints a label on your toast. <laughs> your toast has been, has With a Bitcoin address. Oh my god, dude! This is I mean, this is a pretty advanced toaster. This thing's got to be pretty. But at the same point, you're like, but it's a forty dollars toaster. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's got an ESP thirty two in it and. <laughs> That that would be fun for like the one toaster that actually is uh, possible to do that. This didn't make uh, the notes, but I, I just saw it this um, actually to our friend Steve. Wh- have you guys seen the uh, Windows subsystem for Android? Oh yeah, not extensively, but yeah, I yeah. I'm just there. Uh, I, I it's kind of exciting because it's like now we can you know execute Linux payloads and Android payloads all in the confines of our Windows environment. Yeah, isn't that fantastic? I, I think there's, I mean, I, I'm a big WSL fan, and I think there's, this is going to be really beneficial for some of the stuff we even do here at Black Hills, such as mobile application testing and stuff like that, being able to load the APKs directly into a little more robust platform and stuff like that. I'm just interested to see how long before we start seeing an article, you know, we'll probably, it'd probably be three or four years before we see an article about, uh, you know, malware hiding in WSA. Um, despite pen testers and stuff have been doing it since 2021. Right. Well, and of course, like the other perk is this gives you a completely native way to just run Java code on Windows 11. So you got that. So you're saying Log4j is coming back. (laughs) I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if we see that. It'd be interesting. Because Verizon is um, overriding users' opt-out preferences for collecting their browser history. I've got a couple questions here. Like, why the hell is Verizon collecting my browser history? And two, uh, money. Why would they make an opt out and then remove the op- remove the ability after people started all opting out of this? Well, first off, I, I can say for that I know they sent a message to all their customers saying, like, "Hey, by the way, we're tracking this." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, if you'd like to opt out, like, go to the Verizon app and just hit the opt out button, basically. And pretty much everyone did. So <laughs> the, that so worked too well. Was, the problem was is that they told us there was an opt out option. Oh, so that. was this just limited to like Verizon cell phone customers, or was this also like their FiOS customers? It looks like cell phone, um, mostly cell phone. But I'm okay. sure if FiOS people want to give them their their browser history, they would gladly take it. Oh, they don't have to drive. They already there. have it. Yeah, they just set the DNS name or the IP address to Verizon. And then whenever you misspell a name on a browser, you get Verizon's thing. And that's just them collecting all that DNS data. Thank oh, you. Yeah. But we could also argue Google does the same thing. I mean, TLS over DNS was just a, a way to make sure it went to me first, right? But yep. it's more secure. You know what I mean? The custom <laughs> experience program. It's a great name. Yeah, it's- I was actually, when I saw it, I was kind of like, wow, this is pretty cool because it gave you like seven levels of opt-out that you could pick from. And so, of course, I just opt-out of all of them, and they didn't like that. Yeah, I guess Verizon was fined in 2016 for inserting super cookies that identify customers without their knowledge or consent. 
Beautiful. So they're making the only reason they did this big opt out thing was because they got in trouble last time. So it uh, wasn't that much. Now they're so. doing it, but they're just not paying any attention to whether or not you flip the switch. Yeah. This they, button does nothing. <laughs> so so this way in their in their in their trial this time around, they could be like, but we gave them an option to opt out. It was there. There was a switch. It's more like a poll to see how many users would be interested in opting out. <laughs> and then we'll run the numbers and we'll get back to you. If it's yeah. too high, then we're just going to shut down that program. We're gauging interest. If it's too low, we'll keep it going. I guess it was too high, then they had to relaunch the program and opt everyone back in. So now you have to re-opt back out. They didn't send you a text message this time either. Yeah, see? Well, we, we, we notified you once, so you should just assume. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> This is like a virus. What doesn't uh, kill you mutates and tries again. <laughs> Probably Gosh. not the first time Verizon's been described that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, like, we're ripping on Verizon, but I mean, of, of my other cell carriers I've had, I haven't been much more impressed with any of them either, to be honest. It's kind of, you have like six options and none of them are good. You have like two options or maybe three if you're lucky and all three of them are the same. Yeah, I mean it's pretty much Verizon, AT&T and T-Mobile. Yep. Most it. of them. Yeah. Cuz yeah. everybody else just leases off of those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which is a fun fact if you want to get a, a cheap cell phone plan, you can pretty much all those like Boost Mobile and all, they're all using the same they're like literally mm-hmm. on Verizon's network, right? The only difference is like some prioritizing of um you know, bandwidth and traffic. Stuff. Yeah, data traffic. Yeah. But other than that, though, you're never gonna have a problem making a phone call or you know, like that's the thing you're worried about, anyways. But. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Boost or something. But they literally used or the ver. It wasn't Boost. Uh, it was, but they used the exact same Verizon coverage map. They just changed the colors of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like nationwide coverage. I'm like, I've seen that map somewhere. Yeah, I think if I recall, Boost is actually under. It was Sprint, it, which is T-Mobile. It was Sprint, yeah, but yeah. yeah I, I, I'm not, I can't remember which one because there's so many because you got like uh, Boost, you got Cricket, you've got Pure Talk. Like, there's just, I mean, ha- even um, Spectrum Mobile now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe they're on Verizon, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, it's what's crazy is that you can switch to one of those and frequently save a lot of money. Oh, yeah. The other thing, too, I found out is that eSIM, um, you don't really need a SIM card anymore. All the new phones support eSIM. So you can actually switch to these carriers like at will. Without yeah. being like, oh, I got to order a SIM card for that carrier or whatever. You can just put that at eSIM. In there. I'm, a- I'm actually getting ready to uh, go dual SIM on my iPhone. That way I have a uh, my personal number and then an eSIM for stuff that I don't actually want to deal with. And it's, I'm actually really excited about being able to do that. Yeah. yeah. That way you can like be talking to random people and be like, oh, that's awesome. Give me your phone number. You can be like, yeah, here you go. And you write it down and you can get the text message and prove you actually have it. And then you can ignore it for the rest of the time. Well, and it's also like really beneficial if you travel a lot or things like that, you know, where you can get a local SIM card or a local eSIM and not even have to deal with the actual physical card and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, and I, I, my guess is it um, the iPhone 13, and that's the latest one. Does it actually still have a physical SIM? Yes. Or is it going all eSIM? Okay. Yeah. My guess is in the next generation or two, we're going to just see all eSIM. Yeah, we'll we'll probably see a, a move to eSIM. 
Oh, and another article here. It looks like Volvo, the safest cars in the world, I think. I don't know. They were. They still kind of are. It looks like they had a breach, uh, one of their file repositories. This is uh, actually directly from Volvo, accessed by a third party, and they have a limited investigation or an investigation going on about what may have been stolen. But don't worry. The safety of your cars are fine. I'm not going to drive off the road or something. But that brings up a good point, though. When... (laughs) Something like this does happen in the future, and you can take control of cars. I'm talking to you, Tesla. You know, what What are we going to do in that scenario, right? Oh, I, I think the day that we get at least ransomware on a Tesla is, oh, is coming. Jesus, dude. Like, this Tesla has been ransomed. I, 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 it, it's, 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 it's inevitable. I think that's super scary, but also it's kind of like, all right, all right, let's think about this at a bigger scope. Why haven't we had or seen a ransomware attack on the iPhone? Is it just that we're too, it's just we haven't made it there? Like we're, we're still on the on-ramp? Or is it just the barrier to entry is just too high, right? I, I just heard that Apple was immune to all viruses. That's because... a fact. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Yes, but I'm buying their stock right now after that fact. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it goes back to a conversation we had uh, many, many weeks ago dealing with some of the zero-day markets and stuff like that. And we were talking about how much zero-days cost and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think the if you look at like some of the vulnerabilities that the NSO group and things like that have uh, created and stuff, there's so much effort and research that goes into it. It's like, do they want to burn the point that you guys made um, counter to my point was that, you know, do you want to burn all that just at one time and see a mass ransomware attack or, or something like that in the iOS ecosystem? Um, because the returns on that could be uh, very, very little um, and potentially catastrophic, depending on who you, who you piss off in the process. Um, so I think that's probably part of the reason why we haven't seen one, because, I mean, there's definitely been, an, I don't want to say an abundance, but there's been uh, quite a few, you know, zero-click uh, iOS vulnerabilities. There's also uh, stuff in the Android ecosystem. I think it's really just about the, re- the the returns that you would net as a result of that attack as to why we haven't actually seen them. Well, and has, I think there is has there been yeah. ransomware for Android? Maybe. I don't think there I, has I, been. No, but what, like I, what I'm saying, there has, there's, been z- there's been zero-click vulnerabilities in the same way that there oh, has yeah. in the iOS. So if you if I can get remote code execution to a vulnerability, a ransomware capability is trivial at that point. So it comes down to a decision that has to be made by the operator as to what their, you know, what their end objective is. And I think a lot of it's been more strategic than a, just a, a generic ransomware attack, and that's why we haven't seen it. Yeah, I would I mean, also say that phones are more throwaway to an extent. So if you get ransomware on a phone, I mean, people will be like, oh, I was thinking about upgrading anyhow. I mean, I'm not saying everyone would say that, but there would be a number of me like, oh, I was thinking about upgrading anyhow. You'd actually be way better to do ransomware against like Apple's cloud systems or something like that. Because I, mean, I would. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, if you look at the if you look at it, what is valuable on a phone? Right. It's just the data. And and so, you know, if it, if I look at it as, oh, this device is locked up, I mean, you could literally treat it as I just typed in my, my, my child, got my iPhone and passed it, typed in my passcode 10 times wrong, and it just erased itself. Dropped it it's in the, the toilet, toilet, ran it over with the car. It's, 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 it's just the gone. same effect. My data is not necessarily impacted. Yeah. By that, whereas if you look at some of the malware and things that have been out there specifically for iOS, it's once it's on the device, it's it's targeting that data, uh, either you know through looking who you know you're, who you're talking to and and things like that, as well as being able to access your accounts and stuff 
that's where the value is. So if, if you if you kind of extrapolate that out, ransomware doesn't really necessarily make sense, especially because if you charge them, you know, it's like, oh, your device has been ransomed, pay us 400 bucks. No, I'm just going to go I, get a new I one. Can, like, I can just go <laughs> get a new one. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you have to make that price so... I mean, you can have some people that's like, oh, it's 25 bucks. Okay, I'll do that. Um, Every but... day it just gets re ransomed for $25. <laughs> yeah. You're renting it by the day at this point. There, I just, there's, some, there's some, somebody in, you know, overseas that's just going like, I can't, they're doing this. Come look at this. Come look at this. They, Come look. They did it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the reason that we don't see ransomware on like phones and stuff, and I kind of agree with you guys at this point, they really kind of are like a throwaway device, right? Like, you know, I'll just get another one, whatever. But I, I think the reason we don't see the big massive ones is that, you know, these ransomware operators actually want to get to keep the money. So if they kick the hornet's nest too hard, they, you know, it's going to be really hard. And, you know, they're they're looking for targets that are, you know, known to pay and for, known for them to be able to keep the money. So that's what I think they're going after individual enterprises or other organizations that companies uh, as opposed to individuals it used to it started with individuals in fact actually that's really where ransomware started on individual computing machines because obviously security's low but the payout wasn't that great and the effort would still be high right um because now i know i can only get a hundred dollars from every person so now i gotta get like way more systems whereas i can just get one organization and make millions right um, right. But I think it just comes down to the rewards in general, and that if you know you were to lock out every iPhone in America, for example, assuming that was possible, right, or like the large majority, I think that the ramifications of that wouldn't be worth the reward. Why? Why would I do that if I have a zero-click O'Day? Let's assume that that's what it took. I could sell that for millions, walk away with the cash, and never even be responsible for anything that happened after that. Right? Yeah. So yeah the, yeah, the benefits are just not there, especially when you look at. You know, the, the devices are just a portal for accessing data, yeah. you know, and if you care about that many people, you know, our individuals, data and stuff, you're going to, tar- they're targeted anyway. And that's what we've seen with, with these iOS malwares and stuff from the likes of NSO group and other play and other actors, you know, it's, it's a highly, tar- it, yeah, because yeah. You, you've got so much time, you've got so much money and R and D invested in it. You don't want to get it burned if you can help it. And, and so, yeah, the the return on investment. I mean, it, like if you if you go for maximum chaos, sure. Like, and sometimes I, 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 sure, why not? Let's let's hit the button and see what happens. Uh, you know, for a widespread iOS ransom. But I, I just I don't. I'm I'm honestly not sure that the actual impact of that would be too large because it's then it's like yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of a bunch of e waste, but all of <laughs> all of my data still intact in most cases, unless you know they piggyback that ransomware attack for something larger. Right. I mean, you brick them all. I mean, Apple yeah. Talk, what do you go up or down? What do you think? Everyone would- now, what happens if Apple gets ransomware? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's if you like, go for those servers that have all that data on it, now that's, now a, target that's a different story. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a target to hit with ransomware, but. Uh, are we turning yeah, but- this episode into what should ransomware operators do? Cause I feel like we're just going down a bad road here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good, valid point. We've been there. We we've the bad idea episodes. Those come up sometimes. Oh yeah, this is uh, what I do. Yeah, this is how you totally get away with it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks later in the news. Oh, oh I, I wish kidding. we hadn't said that. Yeah, the ran- the ransomware actors quoted BHIS. <laughs> yes. No <laughs> novel technique. That that's not the kind of uh, popularity we're going for here. 
No. Are, are we no, really we going have... for popularity? I, I, what, why do we do this show again? I'm just <laughs> we do this show to tell everyone else about the news. The it's news. definitely yeah. for the ratings. It's for the ratings. <laughs> it's definitely for the ratings. I mean, this is we are, you know, we smash that butt, <laughs> butt yeah. button. Excuse me. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. button. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we're 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 not we're that we're not looking for that kind of ratings, there, bro. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to affect the ratings so much. That, that's the show after this one. No. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, we now I will say this though, since this really is the last episode, this does wrap up the. Uh, I think this was the first year we did this, right? First year of the show. Yeah, or did we start it in twenty nineteen? I, I think, think we started it twenty twenty. Yeah, I think. Or well, yeah, twenty twenty. Sorry, I don't even know what year it is, man. It's <laughs> what year is it? It's nineteen fifty six. I was trying to think. I was trying to think how many episodes I watched before I came on, and I think it was like. 16 or 18 something like that so and then i would have came on in march so whatever that means glory strike says it's 2020 i believe him <laughs> this is the first full year so how about yeah that? this is the first full year exactly of us ranting about security news and talking about uh people either making mistakes or you know major vulnerabilities that now we all have to go clean up which is kind of a nightmare we get to kind of talk about it but other people have to like worry at night right um yeah i mean that's why we do the show is hopefully to let people know before it gets too bad so they're not finding out after the attack they're finding out on the you know on the show so finding out that it's a wave coming toward them indeed any oh. any last uh articles subjects topics i guess which no. is the same unless thing wanna, as yeah unless we want to <laughs> rant about log4j for an hour there's there's a bunch of those um but Check i didn't your have toaster. anything else Check your toaster. Yeah. Uh, disable your exchange server. Uh, yes. You know, move that. Get get that out of there. And uh, get ready for ransomware, because I think it is going to get worse. I It's oh, pretty yeah. bad, but it's regrettable. Straw poll, how many more CVEs do we get for Log4j in the next six months? Ten more <sighs> CVEs? Oh, my God. That'd be br- brutal, dude. Well, my, the the next question is how many are those related to the patches for Log4j? Are they the initial? <laughs> yeah, I think it is kind of a tidal wave, right? So, like, the earthquake happened, but now we're just waiting to see who may be affected. And that wave takes a second to get there in this sense because, you know, there's vendors back end who are still trying to figure out what's going on, man. Yeah, and we're going to have aftershocks and, and seismic oh, yeah. activity in this for a very, very long time. Like it's it's drawn the public eye, so now people are going to start looking at it more. I talked to one customer last week, and they just go, "We don't know yet. Like mm-hmm. we know we're impacted, but it, it's going to take us a while to to actually drill down and figure because it's it's so integrated into things. It's not as simple as you know. I mean, even if you have a inventory of all your software and applications." How many people have an inventory of all of their libraries and dependencies? Right, like it's, it's you only need could, to miss one, right? Well, and, yeah. and and maybe if you're counting on your your vendors to patch things, if you have end of life devices, which as much as we like to say that they don't exist, they do exist. You know, if, if there's end of life devices that aren't going to get the patch, as we said beginning of the episode, billions of devices run Java, and they have been for a while. Yep. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be like it's one of those things that, as John said last week, you know, it's as pen testers and stuff, we're like, yay, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be fun for a couple of years. But at the same time, having been on on the defensive side and and had to identify like my heart goes out to these guys, especially at Christmas time, and and you know they're just like we just we're going to do our best, and it just seems like every day there's something. Oh, that was an incomplete patch. Here's a new CVE. Oh, this patch has got a different RCE in it, and mm. yep, they have they definitely you know they definitely have the heart into defending an organization identifying and re- remediating against this because there's not a blanket remediation in some cases, you know, yeah, you can patch, but if you're waiting on the vendor, there's some stuff you can do intermediately, but you've got to be able to identify all that. And it's, it's tough. What a wonderful way to end the year. Yeah. <laughs> on a high note, on a high on note, a high, note. Sure. <laughs> high stress yeah. note, but it's a high note. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Everybody have a, uh, a great Christmas. And uh, happy new year, right? See you guys back in 2022. I think I got the year right this time. You got it right. You got it right. <laughs> what's, what's the first? Uh, are we going January 3rd? Uh, is that the uh, first one? Whenever we come back to work, what, I think uh, it's the third. It's January nope. 3rd. Yep. Nope. We're it's, off that day. Are yep. we off? Well, maybe it's Tuesday. Are we on? It is listed as We'll off. figure it out. <laughs> we, we will figure it out. And as you guys all know, you'll just find it on YouTube and yeah. we'll be good to go. We'll be back later. Oh, I guess I got to hit the video. Yeah. I almost forgot about yeah, that. Part. Take us out, Ryan. <laughs> All take right, us take out. us out.